Welcome to the podcast. In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. How's it going, Tim? Doing all right. Doing all right. It was a, uh, a beautiful sunny day this, uh, this Sunday. Nice and yeah. warm. Shorts yeah. for the first time. Nice. Uh, but below freezing again today. Yeah, it's kind of, well, that's, it's a weird that's early May for you, right? It's just yeah. kind of back and forth. And uh, hopefully within the next few weeks, we'll actually get spring. I always, I always find that spring, spring seems to be the shortest season in Canada. Mm-hmm. It really does. You know, it's like it, it, we wait for it, we wait for it, wait for it. And then, then we're into like, you know, 30 degree plus humidity <laughs> summer all of a sudden. And it, right. it's like, where right. did the leaves come from? I don't know. And yeah, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're watching the leaves right now on our trees and just willing them open. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking it's not, out my it's not window. working very well. I'm looking at my window and there's, there's, there's some that are starting, there's some green just starting. So there's hope, Tim. There's hope. Yeah. yeah and by <laughs> the time people get this, this, the whole place is going to be green. They're going to be like, what are you talking about? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Two, <laughs> hopefully, yeah two, two, three weeks out. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right. So we are working on uh, 141 to 147 on that's the right. days of reading for, uh, for the Blue Letter Bible Chronological Reading Plan. That's correct. And also a mouthful. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah, we're in Second Samuel, we're in First Chronicles, and we're in a number of Psalms. And I know we've been saying this, you know, week after week since going to the Psalms, but I'm like, I'm constantly surprised by how much, like, how many great Psalms there are. Like, I right. keep thinking, okay, like, we've, we've touched on all the best ones. And then, then we get another week's reading and I'm like, oh, yeah. these are so great too. <laughs> and, right. Uh, right. Yeah. This is definitely deepened my appreciation for, for the book of Psalms for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So let's set it up. Forest and trees. Yeah. Uh, okay. Even though we're, we're going across three books of the Bible and sort of interweaving these things in and out, it's, it's all chronologically kind of the same period. And so what Israel is learning, particularly what David is learning, preparing Israel for does have a common theme that's that's true yeah 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 the the common theme that we kind of saw is 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 being prepared to serve god right as they're coming to the the building of the temple that solomon is going to undertake and they're establishing the patterns of worship that are going to happen in jerusalem the, the people the nation as a whole is getting ready to serve god in this in this way and so yeah the preparedness praying for preparedness is a is a huge part of this week's reading yeah i I would say that the way that i would word it is just to say god is going to do his will Mm -hmm. he is going to bring about his plan uh and what david is learning and what he is imploring everyone else around him to do uh israel as a whole the different divisions that we're going to see him set up and uh and solomon is be faithful and be the tool that God uses to bring about this plan that God has. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to use somebody. It might as well be you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, for sure. So, so we yeah. Get into- and then after that, it's going to be the trees, the various yep. elements inside of this week's reading that prove that forest to be true. Uh, so do you want to start with Psalms or do you want to start with narrative? Uh, let's start with narrative. Okay. This week. Yeah. So 2 Samuel 22, we actually get a song 
built mm-hmm. into the narrative. Uh, David writing this song about God being the rock of his salvation. Um, you know, we get uh, some other narrative just about uh, David talking about how good it has been to uh, rule, you know, in the way that God has commanded him to. We get another explanation of the David's mighty men. Right. Kind of another kind of recap about what they have done. That uh, was confusing is- for me, I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, because as I was reading it, I... I- I was reading it on my tablet because it keeps the uh, chronological order for me. And I kept backing out and coming back into it and then backing out and coming back into it. Cause I was like, I've read this already. I know I've read this already. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Then we do uh, the census. So we get an account of the census that David does in second Samuel and also in first Chronicles. Yeah. So the census is an interesting thing. Uh, because he takes a census. We do this all the time. Uh, but instantly he knows that it's a sin. Yeah. And, and picking up off last week, who is there to remind him this is a terrible idea? Joab. Joab. Yes, you're right. Voice actually, yeah. of reason. Yeah. The one, Joab is like a messenger from God sent to sit in David's court and just go, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know better than that. Yeah, that's right. Why is it a sin to do a census? I don't know. I can't remember. Is it? Is it in the Mosaic Law? They're told not to number. I, I you, you stumped me, Tim. Yeah, you, I, I wish me. we had like sound effects and you push like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously, uh, I, I'm, I'm at a loss. Why is now, it, why you is know what? I, I'm going to say that I'm going to say that I am too in the sense that uh, what is the moral failure? How does this come against God? Um, the the way that Joab protests seems to indicate. I'm I'm, I'm not going to be that's that's as bold as I'm going to get in it. Uh, the way Joab protests seems to indicate that there is something inside of needing to number the people that. Uh, undermines God's sovereignty over the people mm. to say, I'm the one guarding the people and, and maybe even undermines the, the people's opportunity to do the, the free will offering out of obedience and not out of compulsion because they've been numbered and accounted and, and now it becomes more of a taxation right. uh, possibly than an offering. That would be, that would be my guess for understanding why it is that God would have such a problem with this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and we know that it's not just them thinking this way because God does have a problem with it, right? Mm-hmm. David repents. Uh, and then we have the first ever game of would you rather? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God gives him three options. He says three, options. three years of famine, right? Three months of being, you know, pursued and defeated by your enemies mm-hmm. or three days of pestilence over Israel and he picks the three days of pestilence and it's something like 70,000 people die in the space of three days. Yeah. What would you have chosen? Definitely not the first one. Uh, I'd be caught between the second two options. Yeah. Right. Like you think is okay. So if, if enemies enter into Israel and are defeating your armies left, right and center, are you going to end up losing more than 70,000 people? Do you think he thought that 70,000 people would be lost in a pestilence? 
Maybe he thought they would just lose their crop and livelihood for a year. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe he didn't realize know. how significant that was. I mean, you think, okay, you think the, the size of the population, right, which we now kind of have mm-hmm. a rough idea right? Uh, in, because of the census, to lose 70,000, like that's a significant portion of your population mm-hmm. within a very short period of time. Like right. within three days, like that's, that's devastating. Like that's not like, that's way beyond COVID numbers. That's like, that's, that's, that's heavy. Right. Percentage wise. It's, it's percentage wise. Yeah. Like for that, for that nation, like the size of them, that's nuts. Um, that's a heavy burden. And I, you know, I don't know if, can you say David made the right choice? I, I don't know. Yeah. Is he selfish by not choosing the second one. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, in any case, it, it kind of reminded me of being a kid. And uh, sometimes my mom was like, you know, do you, do you want a spanking or do you want to be grounded? I understand right now people would call child services over that. I take the spanking well. every time. Oh, yeah, me too. And, and I yeah. think that's what David did. Get yeah, it over and done. I, yeah. With. Yeah. You know right? what? That's true. That's true. Yeah. Take the spanking always. Yeah. Um, yeah so there are some uh, differences, I guess, between the two accounts, uh, mm-hmm. between the Samuel account and the Chronicles account. Um, you know, what's the the reason right so there's like there's ultimately it's david's sin right so one yep. one account kind of indicates that satan tempted him the other was that like you know it was kind of like god was upset with him and then david you know rebelliously did the census but i don't think those things are really in conflict i mean no. we really understand how we sin and how we're tempted by our own desires and how mm-hmm. you know god works through that you know to bring about his will um yeah so i don't really think that's a discrepancy some of the numbers are a little bit different but not mm-hmm. not dramatically i would say so mm-hmm. um anyways it's it's a thing yeah and I, I think in that what what people need to realize is that uh the the reason we record things across various cultures and across various time periods is different right uh, and, and so sometimes the Bible is going to say 10,000, right? 10,000 men, right? right. Or 70,000 people died. Uh, what they're not saying is 6,999 plus one right. people died, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, generally, what they're saying is this is a measure of significance, Right. Where we, we'll say, we do that too, right? We'll say dozens, dozens of people. Right. Um, or we'll say hundreds of people, right? And, and we're throwing out this number and there's a vague notion around it. Uh, and that's, that's the same thing that they would do. Um, and so, so words like that, and numbers like that have that sort of meaning. That's why you see things are done for 40 years and 40 days, right? It's the statement to say generally a month. Uh, a significant period of time, uh, or a thousand, which is uh, more significant even than forty, uh, right. but maybe not necessarily exactly a thousand. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. Yeah. And you're going to find that in battles, like the number of people who fought in battles and stuff like that will be often people. People love to jump on that and be like, "Oh, you said," right? But uh, but the purpose the purpose is not to give uh, an absolute historical account the way that we would today, because today we have that, we have a different, uh, value on trying to be as exact as possible. Yep. Uh, where what they were doing is they were just trying to express significance in the numbers that came against each other in that battle. 
Yeah. Yeah. They're just saying a lot of people died. That's, that's, that's the important, that's the important bit of information they're trying to get across. But I I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that they would go so far as to be like, you know, it was really 24 people that died in the pestilence, but that's not that impressive. Uh, (laughs) So what we want to do is say a lot. So let's just, instead of saying a thousand, let's say, you know, 70,000. There, there is going to be some level of approximation in that number. Mm -hmm. um, Just to give a, a ballpark idea of what's going on. Exactly. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and then David kind of stops that, or the way that the, about the way the pestilence is stopped is by David building an altar and offering a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Essentially he's, he's on this guy's property and he's like, I'm going to build an altar here. And, right. uh, that landowner, that citizen is like, Oh, well I will give you the things. I will mm-hmm. give you this, the materials to build the altar. I will give you the land. I'll give you, you know, the animals to sacrifice and everything. And David's like, no, I'm not going to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, that cost me nothing. Right. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's significant, right? Like, like offerings to God, they, they cost something, Mm -hmm. right? Not necessarily just financially. They can be our, our time and our energy. They can be various things, but, but when we, even in our new Testament context, when we offer sacrifices to God, although they don't look like. You know, they don't look like slaughtering bulls or anything like that. Um, they, they ought to cost us something. That's, that's the very nature of what it means to provide an offering of some kind. So yeah. just to kind how, about, of, how about this for you? If it's not a sacrifice, it's not a sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I totally And, and that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that like if your family isn't impoverished and on the verge of homelessness, you've not tithed enough at the church on Sunday. Oh, yeah, no. Right? Uh, but but what he's saying is, um, if I'm going to consecrate myself before God uh, in an act of worship, it needs to be a consecration. Yeah. Right? Um, and so he's just saying, I want my heart to express what I'm trying to say to God. Um, and that is, that is me humbling myself. Yeah. No, I agreed. Yeah. So once, once that's kind of, that situation is resolved, David kind of prepares for the building of the temple. He knows he can't build it himself, but he's acquiring, you know, materials. He's charging Solomon. He's like, Solomon, you're the one you're going to build the temple. And then we have several chapters of David establishing this, these organizational structures for the priests and the musicians and the Levites and the gatekeepers, officials and the military and all of these things. And he's setting up this framework before he's done right. for yeah. Solomon, right? Solomon's kind of set up really well. Like we got to admit here, like David, oh, is yeah. really, David's, David's making sure everything is in, in order before he passes on because he wants Solomon to be successful. And I think he, he doesn't want Solomon to be distracted with, like the logistics of organizing people when his main focus needs to be building that temple to the glory of God and establishing Mm -hmm. worship. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so as tedious as it might have been to get through some of those chapters, I mean, it's, it's a lot of names. It's a lot of information that doesn't seem particularly relevant to us. Um, David is doing something very important for Solomon because Solomon has an important job. Right. Yeah. And he's, he's laying a foundation for Solomon so that Solomon can just get to work. Yeah. Right. He doesn't have to weed his way through all of this. Uh, he's ending well, right. He could have just sort of coasted to the finish. Um, but he didn't, he, uh, he ramps it up in the end 
to make sure that when he steps aside, everything's ready to go. Yeah. 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 And some and beautiful he, stuff in that too. Not like there is a lot of uh, what, what we're going to feel like as a monotonous read at times, lots of names and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but there's also some really, really beautiful stuff in, uh, in his last words, especially when he's praying uh, yeah. for, for the people uh, and, and in his prayer being instructive to them. Um, yeah. Yeah. You want to read that? Yeah. So in, that in, clipped out? Yeah. yeah, I do. Yeah. In first Chronicles 29, um, David is praying to God kind of on behalf of the people. And so, uh, starting, I believe in verse 10, it says, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth are yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners, and as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. Grant to Solomon, my son, a whole heart that he may keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, performing all, and that he may build the palace for which I have made provision. Mm, good stuff. Yeah. I, I, love, I love the dependency that he places on God as yeah. the provider of all these things. Um, and I love the way that he calls them to recognize that and to be fearless about his work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, just the, the reminder that, you know, all of these gifts that have been brought, it's all God's anyways, right? Like it's, right. It, it's all his, he, he is the owner of, of everything and they're simply giving back to him what is rightfully his, um, yeah. And so understanding that, understanding that everything belongs to God, right? That all, all the wealth and riches of the world belong to God, that he is all glory and honor belong to God and that we need to um, keep his commandments and his statutes and do what he has called us to do. And yeah, Psalm is, 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it, the world yeah. and all who dwell upon it, right? Uh, here's, this was kind of a mutual highlight for us from the narrative. Uh, and, and reason, my reason for that is this, is I think this speaks so perfectly into our current situation. You know, there, so for those of you that are listening, that are a part of the church at Stratford, the Memorial Baptist church where, where we both work, uh, we were, we were doing really well. 
mm-hmm. coming into uh, COVID-19. We were on a very consistent upswing in, in people attending. Uh, our ministries were growing and things were really exciting. The church was looking at uh, a building plan and commissioning that to be done uh, because we need a facility that will hold us all. Uh, and until then, we were going to be moving to two services. Uh, and and I think I think that there is going to be something inside of all that has taken place that is going to discourage people and cause them to say, well, all of that has changed, obviously, right? And, and I would say not so fast with that obviously remark, right? Yes, I understand that giving is down at the church. And I understand that people's personal economies are changing and that even global economy is going to change. And I understand that those are going to be problems that have to be overcome, but God's economy hasn't changed. Yeah. And God's plan hasn't changed. And if God has put it to his people to go about his work, we should pursue that without fear in such a way as to say, God, lead us in your good work. Yeah. And, and we don't need to be afraid. David's entire message here is don't assume that you've done anything or will do anything. Mm-hmm. It's all of God. Yeah. And trust in his provision so long as you're in his will. Um, and that's not a call for, you know, being careless or reckless. No. But it's a call for being fearless. For sure. Move forward and, in what God has made available and, to you. And a quick, very brief history lesson uh, for those who, who might be interested. Our, our church, the church, Memorial Baptist Church, was founded in 1917. And so if you know your history, you know what was going on in 1917. They were smack dab in the middle of the First World War. Right. And so you had, you know, a huge number of, you know, the, the, the young men from the, the church that planted Memorial who were overseas, you know, fighting in the trenches in France. Mm-hmm. And they went ahead and planted a church, you know, on the quote unquote wrong side of the tracks in the middle of the first world war, the church that planted them had absolutely no surplus the previous mm-hmm. year. And they just did that. Right. right. And, and that sounds crazy now, but that's, that's the legacy of, of, you know, our, our body. And so just, just to remind people that, as you said, right, there, there, there may be all this turmoil going on in the world around us, but, uh, but God's economy and God's plans do not change. Yeah, and, and I, think, I think where I would look at it uh, in that sort of comparison you make, what it reminds me of is it reminds me of Gideon, right? Uh, God chose to use Gideon, who was not in the moment he was founded a mighty man of valor. Right. Uh, and, and God raised up for him from the people of Israel, an army. And then God cut that army and he cut the army. And, and his purpose was to bring a greater glory to himself. Right. Right. If we, if we went in, in a perfect economy and built a new building and saw the church expanding and all that kind of stuff, there would be reason to say, glory be to God. Uh, this is fantastic. But if we find ourselves in a place where things aren't what we would have chosen and it doesn't make sense and God continues to be faithful and things come about that we can't explain because it's only us being faithful to a faithful God. 
that's that's all the more reason for worship right and so so i think it's i think it's a greater testimony of our faith and his faithfulness uh to do things in hard times and and not wait until our flesh and our economies are ready to do his work yeah totally yeah well let's get into the psalms because we have a ton of great great psalms and obviously we as always we don't have time to touch on right on all of them yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll take a quick stop on Psalm 95. Sure. Uh, just to say this is one that we sing, a portion of it. Uh, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hands. Mm. Amazing Psalm. Why do we stop there? Because the next few lines say, don't be like your fathers. I despise them for 40 years. <laughs> Not a part of a tune. <laughs> I don't think we should put that to melody, uh, but the context of it all. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, if we skip down a few more in the reading, we have Psalm 30, uh, mm-hmm. which David wrote for the dedication of the temple. So a song that he wrote that he may never have actually had the opportunity to hear sung in publicly, right? Because it was, it was reserved for that purpose. Uh, but it talks about, you know, the Lord's salvation from death, right? Um, how the Lord's anger, which David experienced on a couple of occasions, uh, is for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. And there's a sense of eternity that David is understanding towards the end of his life and is by this point, by the time the temple is dedicated, is experiencing, right, to some degree, uh, being, yeah. you know, with God in paradise, Um so yeah, Psalm 30 was, was a great spot. Yeah, and I, one of the things that I noted in Psalm 30, especially in verses uh, 6 and 7, uh, so in verse 1, he's talking about he's worshiping God because God has lifted him up. Uh, in verse 6 and 7, there's a confession that when everything was going well for him, he became proud as if it was about him, and God brought him low which was something that he was grateful for. Yeah. Right. And I think just piggybacking off of our conversation about, you know, where the church was doing great. uh, And now there are so many question marks about what it looks like going forward. And, uh, and not just our church, but what our church is going to look like and how heavy is the, uh, the financial impact going to be on everyone to say, to be able to say this, you know what, God, thank you for that. Thank you for humbling us and bringing us low and reminding us how dependent we are on you. Um, yeah. I thought that was very timely read for me. Mm-hmm. I know you also had some highlights you wanted for the next couple for 108 and 109 as well, right? Yeah. So 108 and 109, if I was going to pull highlights from the Psalms, uh, that's definitely where it would be. Uh, because, because sometimes I find myself being very fickle in my worship. Uh, and and to, be, to be perfectly honest, I can have days where... I'm really struggling. And in those days, I think to myself, it, it, this is not the heart that needs to go before God and worship him. Um, I don't deserve to be here. Uh, and then there are days when, when I feel like things are really clicking and I'm reminded of my struggling days. And I think, well, this feels disingenuous because you know it won't last. Right. Uh, and, and you think, is, is God just put out by me? Am I a burden to him? Uh, but in Psalm 108, we see uh, David write, My heart is steadfast, O God. 
I will sing and make melody with my being. Awake, O oh harp and lyre, I will awake the dawn. That's a man in a good mood. Yeah, seriously. That's how, Kate, that's how my son wakes up, right? <laughs> my son awakes the dawn. He always wakes up in this go-get-it mood, but nice. not me. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises among the nations, for your steadfast love is great and above the heavens, and your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. And then Psalm 109, also a Psalm of David, begs God not to be silent Mm. and talks about how surrounded he is by all of his foes, right? He is in a place where, where he is absolutely struggling and he's not afraid to bring his struggles before God. Uh, he's, he's coming to him in this sort of crushed spirit as someone who, who isn't, isn't in the same mood that he was in before. And, and I think that what I find in that, the, uh, the, the encouragement that I find in that is to realize that David was a lot like me in that. David was also a man who had good days and bad days. David right. brought his praise before God and God received that praise. Yeah, no, no, for sure. The, the, the highs and lows, right. And, and that's something that, uh, you know, I've been experiencing too, even, even in the midst of this season, right. Yeah. Especially, yeah. Right. Like there's just some Mm -hmm. days, you know, yesterday was one of those days, uh, if I'm being honest with you, you know, just wake up, seems like on the wrong side of the bed. And uh, just woke up very unsatisfied with the way things have been lately. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's good to know that the Lord is faithful to us, even, <laughs> even in those times that we can go to him. Yeah, um, we can yeah. rejoice in all circumstances. Amen. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so the next one, Psalm 10. Uh, this was a 110. 110, yeah. What did I say? 10. Oh, sorry. Psalm 110. Uh, it was a highlight for me. Uh, I love Psalm 110. Psalm 110 is is one of the most quoted psalms in the New Testament, and it's because it explicitly talks about the deity of Christ, right? Like, so mm-hmm. Jesus Himself, uh, during um, His interactions with the Pharisees, He's saying, "Oh, whose son is the the Messiah?" And they're like, "Oh, David's son." And He's like, "Oh, really? Okay. So why did He say the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make right. your end?" footstool and they have no answer for it <laughs> they don't know they don't know what to do with that right and so the the psalm 110 this this royal psalm it's it's prophetic because it's talking about jesus's coming right it's talking about you know you are a priest forever after the order of melchizedek and if we remember melchizedek he was the king of salem and a priest of the most high god and although his kind of character is shrouded in mystery he in him we kind of see this connection between the role of king and the role of priest. And, and we know that Jesus is, is our prophet, priest, and king. Um, so Jesus is kind of, his ministry and, and his person are, are, are revealed in part in this, in this psalm. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I, I love some of the implications to it, right? Like Christ, you know, at the ascension, you know, we know that he is, he is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. Right. And, and what's happening while he's sitting at the right hand of the Father his enemies are being made a footstool. And, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, the whole making his enemies a footstool, that is, that is the mission of the church, right? That is what we are about. We are about uh, winning souls for Christ. We are about um, exposing the lies of the world. We are about, um, you know, establishing 
to some extent, you know, the, the kingdom, um, and, and bringing people in. And so that is, that is what's happening, right? So there's a, there's almost like an eschatological implication here. Um, you know, this is not a losing battle. Like the enemies of God are being made a footstool and then, right. and then he's coming back. Right. So I, uh, yeah, so I, I, I love Psalm 110 for that. It's used, I mean, Peter uses it in his sermon at Pentecost. It's hidden all through Paul's epistles. It's especially in the book of Hebrews. And uh, yeah, I, I, I love it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it's great. You know, there, there are so many times when we, people will say, you know, like this is, a, this is a, a prophecy or a prediction of, you know, there's going to be something of Christ to come. And, uh, and you read it and you're like, well, I don't necessarily see that, but this is an obvious one, right? Yeah. This is, this one's just sort of right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even like things like when it says like the, then it says like, not only does he at the, the right hand of the father, but then it says the Lord is at your right hand. So mm-hmm. it's almost like even implies this like co-equality between Christ and the father, right? Like there's, there's just so much here that like David is under, David understands, I think, more <laughs> about Christ than we give him credit for because there's some right. kind of he's got this he's got this understanding of of how God is going to bring about his plan for redemption which is yeah cool. yeah I, I wouldn't say that maybe he has a full knowledge of what's going to take place but he's he's got an idea God God has inspired him in some way to be able to to make some statements that uh that you wouldn't you wouldn't humanly be able to make right and it's kind of the same way that when peter makes his proclamation of who jesus is jesus says blessed are you peter because this is not of you right this is right from the father yeah Uh, any other psalm you want to point out before we uh sign off um i mean psalm 139 is a is a famous one um but uh i mean there's psalm 127 uh, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. Mm-hmm. The fruit of the womb is a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Um, yeah, yeah that, is, that is something that I, I understand a little bit more now than I did a year ago. Uh, yeah. Just the blessing that, uh, that we have. We and and I want to I want to be be clear in this because some people read like, oh, well, if if one thing is good, then the antithesis of that is evil, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's not the case, right? It's not the case that because people are blessed for having children, they are cursed or a blessing of some sort is withheld from them for mm-hmm. not having kids, right? What the psalm is saying is uh, God has given me children and that's reason enough for worship, Yeah, right? I appreciate this gift that I got. It's not saying anything about people who didn't get that gift uh, mm-hmm. or or what have you, right? It's... And I think that just needs to be said because sometimes we, we want to read that in sort of that assumption and uh, it's not beneficial. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's not only is it not beneficial, it's not correct. True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about you? Anything else you wanted to cover before we close up? No, I, I, think that's, uh, I think that's good. Yeah. We're at the end of David, which means we're coming into the reign of Solomon because yeah. we do have David's farewell. Uh, and he goes on to, to be with the Lord. Uh, interestingly enough, also at the very beginning of this week's reading, there's the last words of David kind of a thing, mm-hmm. uh, kind of an interesting sort of bounce around there. Uh, but the, uh, the era of David is past, and now we get into the post-Davidic 
Israel. So that's going to be exciting. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, and is produced by Alex Walker. See you next week. Talk to you later.